Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF. And after going solo yesterday, we got the whole fam damnly for a big old season preview episode as I am joined by Nate the Great, Nathan Yonke, and Kate the Great, Kate Majuk. Guys, we're a week away from the 2023 season kickoff. How are we feeling today? I'm doing well. Excited that we're only one week away. It's finally fantasy draft season. I think today is like the first of a series of days where every night I have a draft going on. So looking, I'm excited to finally have some of these family drafts rather than all of the competitive ones that I've had. Now I don't have to like prep as much for those and just kind of wing it based on giving everyone else in my league a chance rather than just me dominating because I do this for a living and they don't. <laughs> But Nate, those ones are like your family drafts, the the home leagues, the uh, not not your work league, um, most people's work leagues, they can be almost like way harder to prepare for because they, you know, there are people that haven't been keeping up with the news all off season. They put the biggest kilters in the ADP shakeups. Like there are no rules in family drafts in in home leagues. So like this, it, we're going to, we're going to set people up for success, get them caught up from, you know, some of these, these off season moves, but like, those are always the hardest drafts for me because I, I can't prepare. I have no idea uh, what Joe Schmo is going to shake up in my fantasy drafts because it, it's, it's bedlam. It's madness. It, there are no, it, it it's crazy. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we, we get to, to, prepare as much as possible but again like you just never know what you're gonna get yeah that I, I found the same thing with like the family drafts like I we we have one that we do and it's like an eight team league too so it's just like a super small one but I always find like it just becomes complete chaos at by like the second round already and then you're just drafting like crazy and I'm trying to like scoop up as much value as I can and then everybody else just drafting whatever they want we had like a kicker go in the fourth round one time just for jokes and and yeah it was it was a complete disaster and then it's just a matter of whose team is going to stay the healthiest for the entire year because after that it's just yeah it's it's a mess so I'm with you the family drafts could be uh pretty crazy at times um, but yeah, so like you said, today, we're going to be trying to get everybody ready for their drafts. We're going to be previewing the 2023 NFL season to get you all ready for those fantasy football drafts. If you've drafted already, there's still some prep that can be done and expectations uh, to set as we head into week one. Basically, we're going to go round by round to discuss like our favorite targets by round, our least favorite targets as well, discuss some of like our targets and avoids. Basically, um, we're going to use ADP according to the Fantasy Pros Consensus ADP, which takes into account um, ADP from ESPN, Sleeper, NFL Fantasy, uh, RT Sports. So some of these ADPs are, are quicker to update than others. Obviously, for whatever reason, uh, JT is still a first round pick according to NFL Fantasy, but that should catch up soon. Um, and most people should be aware of that situation by now as well. So you'll know to avoid Jonathan Taylor there. But that's what we're looking to do today, kind of provide you all with one big episode to get you ready for 2023. So I'm very excited to get into this. Um, but before we do, I do want to mention that this episode is brought to you by Fabric by Gerber Life. 
Fall is about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, let's kick things off here. We're Like I said, we're going to go round by round. So we'll obviously start here in round one, starting at the top. Uh, the ADP has it as Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Austin Eckler, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Saquon Barkley, Bijan Robinson, Stefan Diggs, Nick Chubb, CeeDee Lamb. Kate, I'll start with you. The top four have been pretty consensus across all platforms so let, let's avoid the obvious option here options here justin jefferson mccaffrey eckler jamar chase they're all off the board who are you looking to avoid um and and potential or target and avoid here in in if you're next on the clock if i'm next on the clock i'm gonna reach a little bit based on adp i'm gonna go with nick chubb running back for the cleveland browns who heading into his age 27 season like the name of his game has been the efficiency in the run game. Like that has been his call to action. But this year, I do think that with the departure of Kareem Hunt and free agency, it averaged just under 12 touches per game over the last four seasons. Um, you know, all signs point to Nick Chubb being more heavily involved as a receiver, which I think is going to take him over the top. He's my RB2 uh, in fantasy rankings this season, um, you know, 5.2 yards per attempt ranks second all time among running backs with a hundred or more carries. Um, you know, over the past two seasons, Nick Chubb leads all running backs and rushing yards, uh, 91.2 PFF rushing grade, 27% missed force tackle rate. Like this dude is, is unfailable on the ground. I just think, uh, this opportunity to get more involved as a receiver is going to be key. Um, not, totally going back to Deshaun Watson and the potential with a, a deeper passing game. I think uh, Chubb is going to be in for some targets and I, I think that's going to yield his highest fantasy finish to date. Nice. I like it. Yeah. We, we talked about Nick Chubb um, last episode, right? Where, where we were previewing the final week of the preseason and look, I get it. I mean, within this range here, you can make a case for really anybody in that first round. So you don't have to necessarily follow the ADP. If you're a believer in Nick Chubb, you know, you're not going to get him in the second round. I, I'm, I'm with you to take the swing. I think he can absolutely be a top five, potentially RB one overall this season. Um, Nate, how about you? Do, do you have a preference for how you approach round one of your fantasy drafts? At this point, it's just take the best available player. There was a time earlier this offseason where I was more heavy towards picking running backs early just because there was a clear top 10 and then everything after that uh, was kind of messy. But you're starting to find a little bit more value value in the 10 to 20 range. Uh, someone like Joe Mixon, who uh, we know is staying on the team. Basically, everything has stayed the same in Cincinnati this offseason, except maybe a little bit better offensive line. So Mixon 
was a very good fantasy running back last year and in a, the past couple of years. So I definitely expect Mixon to be very good. So I'm not getting him in round one, but the fact that I can get him at a value later means that I'm a lot more okay picking a wide receiver in this range. Uh, Cooper Cup, someone I think has a lot of value. I have him as my number two wide receiver right now. Um, I think he'd be number one if we knew Matthew Stafford was going to be 100% and the same Matthew Stafford he was two years ago and if Cup was also 100%. The fact that he's number two is accounting for all of that risk of both of those players coming back from injury, but just looking at how consistently efficient he was, how consistent he was getting 100-yard games more so than basically what we've seen any other wide receiver do in recent history. It's just the injury that's taken that away, but the Rams have less competition for targets this year. Um, they're probably going to be playing from behind, so having to pass the ball a lot, I think just the sure amount of volume makes Cup a pretty good value anywhere from that early parts of the first round to those middle parts of the first round. I've got to nice. say, though, like the the idea of drafting Cooper Cup only becomes all the more appealing, too, after some of the reports we've heard coming out of uh I, I think this was Matthew Stafford's wife came on a podcast said uh he had a little booklet printed out with everybody's picture on it because he just can't relate to his teammates there's one guy he relates to very much so over and over again all season long and it's Cooper Cup if he can't even figure out these guys names it's really hard to trust uh you know your your wide receivers and that they're going to be uh where they need to be when you're you're throwing the ball um Cooper cup. Uh, I, I'm happy to report does not have that problem with Matthew Stafford, which gets me all the more excited for his potential in 2023. Yeah. I, I just hope that they're healthy, right? Like Matthew Stafford, obviously coming off that like spinal cord contusion or whatever it was last year, that sounds serious. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea, uh, but it doesn't sound great, obviously. And it did hinder his, you know, performance last season. Cooper cup, obviously we know is he's going to be the number one target far and away in that offense. Um, it, it's, it's hard to make a case against anybody here in the first round because they all have such high upside cup. I I've actually found like just looking back at like a lot of the drafts I've done and, and looking at exposure cup has been the one for whatever reason I've, I've been lower on. Like I've, I just haven't ended up with as many shares with, of him. And I think part of that just has to do with a little bit, you know, coming off the injury, dealing with the hamstring hamstring injury as well. Um, so I just have like a, like slightly more question marks with him. Um, and, and, and at 30 years old as well, but honestly, I, I, anybody here in the first round, I'm happy with one of the guys that I like to look at personally, uh, is Bijan Robinson. Still one of my preferred choices at running back outside of those top two, you know, we're aware of the talent to that that's needed to get drafted inside the top 10 picks in the NFL draft, especially in this running back economy. Uh, you better be damn good. And I think he absolutely is, um, you know, all the numbers coming out of college back up his general generational running back moniker that we've Heard so much of this offseason. And if you're the Falcons, you almost have to run the brakes off this kid in year one, even still just to justify that draft capital. Um, we know Atlanta was the most run-heavy offense in the NFL last season, but they also have the best run-blocking offensive line as well, which only helps kind of boost his potential for yards before contact and give him maybe more of a cushion to do some damage with the ball in his hands. So I, I think there's also a strong possibility he's heavily involved in the passing game as, as the team's lead receiving back as well. We know Desmond Ritter in, in his four 
starts last year, targeted the running back on 23.5% of his pass attempts, which was the second most among quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks last year. Um, I know Tyler Algier could factor in. We've talked about that quite a bit as well in, in the possibility that it's not maybe a true workhorse deployment, but it's a risk I'm willing to take here because I think the upside for Bijan Robinson, if he's getting 70 plus percent of carries and getting that pass down work is, is that of the overall RB1. And I'd want in on that because next year we could very well be drafting him as the 101 overall. So that that would be one of the, the top targets for me in this round. I thought for a second you were going to say after uh, having a problem with uh, Cup's age at 30, you were going to go Travis Kelsey in a like there's another receiver that's getting picked before him that's three years older and about to turn 34 and I think two months now but yeah Kelsey I think is fine in the middle of the first round despite his age with the advantage that he has at tight end yeah that would have been a good uh gotcha moment for sure but yeah, uh Travis Kelsey yeah I, there's definitely risk there too right I just think like you look at that Kansas City offense and you're like you just know Patrick Mahomes is just gonna feed Travis Kelsey like all game long and it's just it's it's him and him alone so even at 33 years old he didn't really show the signs of slowing down last year so I still feel okay about Travis Kelsey um but yeah there you're right there's definitely risk there as he gets older because one of these years he's going to fall off we just don't know if it's going to be this year or not all right let's move to the second round where ADP offers us Devontae Adams AJ Brown Josh Jacobs Derek Henry, Patrick Mahomes, Tony Pollard, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Allen, Jalen Waddell, Jalen Hurts, and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Nate, a lot of juicy options here in the second round. Based on where you went in the first round, do you have a pre preferred second round pick to kind of follow that up this year if you went running back or wide receiver first? It depends a lot where you're picking in the round as well. Since if you're at the start of the round, it's either running back or wide receiver. I tended to like to get more balance. So if I'm picking a running back late round one, then go with the wide receiver early round two or vice versa. Um, if it's more the second half of the second round, I tend to go more quarterback uh, with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. I have Hurts as my top quarterback this year. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've had so many other quarterbacks take steps back recently. Um, we used to be able to pick late round quarterbacks and be pretty confident in the 10th or 11th or 12th best quarterback. But I don't think that's the case this year uh, with Tom Brady retiring. We saw Aaron Rodgers take a step back last year. We saw Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill all among the older quarterbacks who have also taken steps back recently. So I'm a lot more inclined to make sure that I'm secure at quarterback. And we've just seen uh, those three quarterbacks, Mahomes, Allen, and Hertz, uh, play so much better than everyone else recently. And I don't think there's really much reason to expect any of those three to take a step back this year. I think the main thing would just be if any of them suffer an injury. But outside of that, we know they have the talent. And two of the three at least stand out in terms of their rushing. Mahomes at least is still top 10 among quarterbacks in rushing, even though he's not seeing anywhere near the production, but it's still enough to make his passing be so far ahead of everyone else plus the rushing. So the combination of those three quarterbacks, I think, stand out and I think are worth the risk because there are running backs and wide receivers that I'm still comfortable taking later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And, 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 and I don't mind, you know, trying to grab one of these guys, but Kate, like the, the, this is the tier one quarterbacks. Basically they kind of start to come off the board here. Do you prefer, are you like Nate trying to grab one of these quarterbacks 
in this second round or, or do you have kind of targets elsewhere in, in round two? I tend to target some more of the skill positions in round two. I, like I, I just, I, I enjoy, uh, though I appreciate like the, the sentiment of, of enjoying that locked down quarterback position. I'm always going to be a late round quarterback girl. I don't know if it's ever going to change. Um, you know, even, even with that security, I, I, tend to avoid, I, I think there's a lot of value here in the second round in terms of uh, top end production. Josh Jacobs very, very well could repeat as the the rushing yard leader this year. Garrett Wilson, obviously a huge projected step forward. Um, you know, Amonra St. Brown, uh, especially with the absence of uh, Jamison Williams for a six game suspension. It, you know, it, if we're going to expect this offense to take another step forward, uh, especially in terms of their production at home, um, there might not be a better uh, asset in PPR leagues, especially to take than a Monterey St. Brown in the second round. I just think there's so many guys in this range that I like, and there are so many other quarterbacks that I also like later, like a Sam Howell, like a, a you know, a Justin Fields, even available a couple rounds down the line uh, that that I'm sticking with the skill players here. Uh, you know, the the wide receivers, the uh, the running backs in particular and and waiting to see sort of what more value might fall to me at quarterback later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've kind of been approaching it the exact same way, right? I, I haven't been going quarterback here, but and like you mostly I, I'm I'm still kind of a believer in, in some of those options later in drafts. And like you mentioned, the, the exact same guys that that we we kind of like there. But um, you know, there there's still I think enough that I like. Uh, at the position at quarterback, at least the guys that could finish top 10 that I'm, I'm okay passing on them because yeah, I, I love the running backs or wide receivers here. I think looking at, you know, the top around two, um, like, like Nate said, I, uh, Tony Pollard is the one for me. He's my RB four this year. I think he has that RB one potential as well, even into the middle of the second round, if he's available, I'm going to grab him there. If not, Josh Jacobs, also an option. I'm potentially looking at, you know, if I got Bijan Robinson in that first round, now adding a Tony Pollard or a Josh Jacobs at that, which is a, a running back combo I'm pretty ecstatic about and and I'm okay to pass on wide receiver until that next round if I can get one of those two guys. Otherwise, like you said, Amon Ross St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle are all my favorite kind of wide receiver targets here. I think they all have that overall our, uh, wide receiver one potential. Um, we actually talked about all those guys in our, our league winning wide receiver episode. So significant potential there, even if they need like a few more things to go right for them for that to happen. I just love betting on these, these young guys who maybe haven't shown us their full potential just yet as fantasy assets. And I, I think we could see uh, that for, for all of them in 2023. So yeah, I, I, I haven't gone quarterback here pretty much the only time that I've got either Hertz, Allen or, or Mahomes has been in super flex leagues where, where I'm drafting early on in the, in the first round. But other than that, obviously Jonathan Taylor, I'm not, I'm not drafting in the second round anymore. Uh, Derek Henry surprisingly has been one that I've actually passed on a fair bit, usually because I like those wide receivers quite a bit. And, and I'm so high on Pollard and Jacobs, but um, yeah, that's kind of round two for me. I actually wrote up Derek Henry as one of my, my round one fades in an article this week or sorry, round two fades, uh, went, went round by round and picked out one player that I'm avoiding. Derek Henry fell, it, you know, unfortunately on that list uh, being drafted on average at the 204 RB six 
haven't seen a decline. And I'm not saying necessarily that we can pro project like a, a huge drop off in terms of Henry's efficiency. Um, but, you know, the the move for DeAndre Hopkins, uh, a healthier trail on Burks, Tajay Spears, who who has looked pretty solid throughout the preseason, all of these factors in general, plus Henry's age, like I, I just worry about a, a slight decline in workload in comparison to some of those other assets and in, in the same range, um, you know, Tajay Spear, 90.2 PFF rushing grade uh, in his final season in college. I think like you got to be excited about this prospect out of Tulane who just dominated in the rushing game. Um, and I think, you know, might end up projecting to be more of more, th more than a change of pace back, which is kind of how I had him projected coming out of the draft uh, based on what we've seen so far early on. And that has me avoiding Derrick Henry, especially like early second round. That's, that's a, a tough, I, like I, I, at that point, if you tell me I, I either have to take Derrick Henry or go with my, my QB one, a la Nate, um, I'd actually prefer to, to secure down the, the quarterback position than to, to reach on Derrick Henry. If he fell into the third, great. It just feels like way he's like the one guy that I can't stomach the ADP for in the second round this year. Yeah, just yeah, to I'll pile on there, the offensive line as well, like all five offensive linemen from his 2,000-yard season are all gone from the team. They lost a couple of those players this offseason. They added players to replace them, but I don't think offensive line is going to be nearly as much of a strength as it was during Henry's peak season. So I think that's also a concern with Henry. Yeah, we're, we're, we're playing the risky game, right? Because it, just like Travis Kelsey, he's at that point now where at some point he, he's going to fall off, right? And we're going to see that um, production and, and efficiency dip. And it, it could very well be this year. And there's also the risk, you know, there's been talks of um, Tennessee potentially trading him th this off season that could carry into the regular season as well. We'll see how their season kind of starts off, but there's, there's a lot more risk with Derrick Henry here in the second round. And it, especially when you consider some of the other options available. Um, yeah, that, that all those reasons and more are why I've been kind of passing on Derrick Henry in the second round this year. All right. Round three is where I think we start to see some more of those kind of riskier picks and picks emerge now with that, um, you know, top 24 outside of, of Jonathan Taylor. Those guys were all pretty relatively safe, but now we're looking at, so we started off Chris Olave, Devonte Smith, Najee Harris, Mark Andrews, Travis Etienne, T Higgins, Ramondre Stevenson, DK Metcalf, Joe Mixon, uh, Jameer Gibbs, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Kate, uh, let's start maybe with your uh, avoided players first. Looking at this round three ADP, which players do you target the least from this group? There's actually quite a few players that I'm like not fond of in this range. Uh, first of which on the list is going to be Travis Etienne, um, who, you know, I love. I love as a running back. I love as a talent. But there's a lot of concerns here for me that Etienne might be one of the biggest trap picks of of the entire off season here, especially in that third round ADP, um, you know, looking at his performance from last year, a, a sub 8% target rate, add in Calvin Ridley to the mix. I don't think that that target share is going to get uh, any more voluptuous here. I, I think we're, we're probably looking at uh, that being kind of his, his baseline role here, um, you know, add in tank Bigsby. It, it, I don't, 
you know, I, I'm not projecting Tank Bigsby to necessarily be a draftable asset, but I do think his presence here is going to be a problem in terms of uh, upside, especially around the goal line. I, I think that this is going to be kind of a volatile season for Travis Etienne, even if he is one of the most talented running backs in the league. Also fading, um, you know, Joe Burrow, not a huge fan of his ADP here, um, given the the lack of like rushing upside. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of ice cold here on this third round. And I don't know if like maybe Nate has, uh, has some nuggets here that is going to change my mind on, on a lot of these guys in the, the third round, but I'm like kind of out. Uh, no, thank you. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I think I'm I'm with you. There, there's a lot to kind of be concerned about with with some of the players here. So, Nate, how about you? How are you feeling about the, this third round? Is there are you finding you're you're avoiding a lot more of these players, or are there favorite targets of yours in this range? Um, favorite targets generally the wide receivers. I think are fine in this range. I don't think there are any great values out of wide receivers here, but I think they're all priced relatively where they should be. Chris Olave, Devontae Smith. Uh, T Higgins, DK Metcalf, all of them. This feels like the right time to pick them. So perfectly happy to go with any of them if they fall to me in the right spot here. Um, I'd add to the running backs that I'm probably avoiding. Najee Harris is also on that list for me. Uh, with Just with Jalen Warren, I think we'll see a significant amount of the touches and playing time this season. Um, we saw him take over the passing down work last season, but even late last season, he started playing a little bit more on early downs, especially in December, and that's carried on throughout the preseason as well. Um, it would be Harris for a couple of plays, but then Jalen Warren would come in immediately afterwards, already starting to see more work on first and tens on first drives of games, which happened last year and in the preseason this year. Um, in a pregame for one of the games for Pittsburgh, they were saying the coaching staff has said they want this to be like a thunder and lightning situation where they know they've given Harris too many carries over the past couple of seasons. So they want to take back his workload some so to keep him fresher and playing better. So that makes sense from a strategic perspective for Pittsburgh to do. So we could see this being a lot more 1A and 1B rather than Harris being the clear guy in Pittsburgh. So probably avoiding him there, especially when, uh, like I was saying earlier, Joe Mixon is available in this round. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, which I know they added Ezekiel Elliott, but I'm not all that concerned about it. I think Stevenson will still get a clear majority of carries, even more so than someone like ETN or Harris might get this season. So I'm probably happier with some of the later running backs in terms of ADP in this round than the earlier ones. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm 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 kind of with you guys. I think you know the the both I can see cases for both. Like I'm I'm definitely avoiding ETN in this round. Um, I just don't think you know his overall potential, even if Tank Bigsby plays like a limited role, I just don't think that third round uh, ADP is worth it here. And, and it also plays a part in why I want to target maybe running back in those first two rounds if I can, because I have enough concerns about these guys like ETN, even Najee Harris, even Ramondre Stevenson to, to an extent with Stevenson, like you said, Nate, it's not as big of a concern, but in this range, I don't necessarily want them to be maybe my RB one this year, though. I'm not devastated if they are, because I, I, but I feel even better about my wide receiver options, obviously, or getting like a Kelsey, for example. So for me, I, the main targets have been Olave and Higgins. There, There's a decent amount of rosters that I have right now where those guys are my wide receiver ones. And usually what that means is that I'm just going to keep attacking wide receiver over the next maybe 
two of the next three rounds or so, but I'm, I'm happy with getting either of those options as my starting points for the position. Um, again, just kind of betting on that, that high end younger talent who are still kind of in their prime for that safe production um, that they've previously established, but also the potential that they could be even better in 2023 is what I'm looking for here early in drafts. So um, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think uh, the, the fades make sense. And, and for the most part, it's been wide receiver for me in this range. All right, let's turn our attention to round four, where things do start to get a bit more interesting. Um, we're looking at Calvin Ridley, Aaron Jones, Debo Samuel, Brees Hall, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Kenneth Walker, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, TJ Hawkinson, Damian Pierce, George Kittle. Uh, Nate, we have four wide receivers, four running backs, two tight ends, two quarterbacks, a nice kind of even mix of potential options here uh, that we can take. So which path are you typically uh, going in round four? I would say the, at least the one that I'm avoiding is running backs in this range. We guys that you talked about Jones hall Walker, um, all of them are in committees with at least one other running back. Uh, yeah, they're the clear guy you want out of the backfield, out of the two. But when there's other running backs, uh, Pierce has snuck into this round, but there's other running backs in the next round or two where they're pretty clear three down back. So I'd much rather have someone on a three. That's a three down back, even if the team's not quite as good, just because I know I can trust them in my lineup where like Jones is on the older age for running backs right now, where AJ Dillon's still relatively young for running back. So if anything, I ex I'd expect Jones to lose playing time and Dillon to gain playing time this season. And a big thing for Jones has been his touchdowns, which will be harder to get without Aaron Rodgers there. So all of these running backs I'm a little concerned about. So I'm definitely looking at any of the other directions. Um, I think early in the round, the wide receivers are really strong. Uh, Ridley, Samuel, Keenan Allen, all three guys that I've written pretty extensively about of guys that I think could be top five, top 10 wide receivers this season. All of them have been top five the last time they were healthy in the league. So they all have already shown they can do that. They just need things to continue to go right. And then end of the round tight end. I'm fairly happy to get a tight end here. I think it's a pretty big advantage to get one of the top five tight ends, uh, depending on the site you're looking at. Darren Waller might also be this end of round four range. So trying to get one of those guys is something that I would definitely do. And if it's not end of round four, I would be trying to at the start of round five. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and Kate, assuming say maybe you haven't gone quarterback or tight end yet, would you be targeting any of these guys here or, or do you continue to, to like, like the wide receiver and, and running back options instead? The one tight end that I might be considering here again, like we're going to, we're going to talk about him in round five uh, with a round five ADP, but as Nate mentioned, sometimes crawling into the the fourth round here is Darren Waller. Um, I, I, I love Darren Waller, but if I'm going to pick one guy in the fourth round, I'm actually going to roll hard with Damian Pierce, who I do think has top 12 potential in the 2023 season, even if he's not on maybe the most productive offense. Uh, I, I mean, Damian Pierce, I, I think, is projected as a three down back in the limited preseason action we've seen so far. Um, again, what will that amount to? I don't know, but it's, it, this is going to be an, a better offense. I think in 2023 than we saw in 2022, um, it, Pierce was incredibly efficient despite being one of the really only big threats offensively in this entire uh, offense last season. Um, you know, excels after contact, just 
he's a walking bulldozer. Um, and, and I think that's going to translate into the 2023 season, especially if we see some of that involvement, uh, more of that involvement on third down. Uh, we had Rex Burkhead depart in the off season. I don't think Devin Singletary is going to be a huge threat uh, to that work, especially just given the mix we've seen in the preseason and in the snap dispersal or disbursement we've seen with the starters. Damian Pierce sat week one uh, while we saw Devin Singletary get get some playing time. Um, Damian Pierce is the guy that I'm I'm targeting here, but if he's already off the board and I'm kind of like closing out that round four. I'm going to reach on Darren Waller because I think there's a very good chance he finishes as a top three tight end in 2023. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We love Waller. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about him again, probably some more here as we get into round five, but yeah, I'm with you, Damian Pierce, right? He's, he's seen his ADP rise quite a bit, right? You used to be able to kind of get him um, in that fifth round, sometimes even in the sixth round, but I think after that preseason usage has really kind of boosted him um, up the charts here. So uh, for, for me, I'd like Pierce. I, I know I talked a lot about, you know, maybe attacking wide receiver for a few rounds here, but I think this might be one of like these next three rounds where I do pivot away from that if, but only if Justin Fields is available. Um, he's been like the one guy in this range that I feel like has that tier one quarterback upside um, overall QB one upside even. So um, that Justin Fields is kind of the one player where I pivot away from like running back or wide receiver, whatever one I was typically looking to target. If fields falls to me, then I'll take him. Um, we've talked about tight end in this range before. I, I've typically avoided tight end here, but I, I think, cause I, I do think there's like a nice kind of tight end sweet spot coming up. So I'm okay risking it. Sometimes Waller will fall there. Sometimes not. Um, so I, I typically would avoid tight end in this fourth round and, and try to get them maybe in the fifth round if I really wanted one. Um, but yeah, if I can't get uh, Justin Fields, it's probably a Keenan Allen being the guy for me, like you said, Nate, um, getting him as my wide receiver two quite a bit. Uh, and depending on how things have gone earlier, sometimes even my wide receiver three, which makes me very happy about my wide receiver core heading into the season, if I could get Keenan Allen in that range. And um, yeah, so that, that that's kind of where I was... Um, thinking about with, with this uh, fourth round here. Yeah, looking at the quarterbacks I'd mentioned, I'd definitely be much more willing to get Fields in this range than Herbert just because of the rushing ability and how important rushing is to fantasy. Herbert just hasn't had that rushing production. So even though I expect him to bounce back this year compared to where he was last year and be among the better quarterbacks in terms of fantasy uh, passing fantasy production, I don't think the rushing fantasy production would be enough for me to want Herbert in the fourth round where Fields should have that rushing production. Just hopefully he can add some more passing production. Yeah, for sure. That's the main thing, right? I think it was like 2,200 passing yards or whatever it was. But I do think like getting DJ Moore on that offense, getting an actual wide receiver one to help him um, and add also yards after the catch and kind of boost those passing yard totals as well once he gets the ball to DJ Moore. Um, and we've already seen that like a lot this preseason. Um, and I know they're not playing against starters all the time, but it's just the potential there to be an even better passer this year for Justin Fields, I think um, is a lock. And then that rushing upside is arguably the best in the entire league among quarterbacks, right? He's right up there with Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts in that range. So um, with a potentially better passing um, performance this year, uh, we could see that QB1 upside for sure. Uh, all right, on to round five. Another nice mix of options here. 
Um, and potentially that tight end sweet spot that I talked about earlier, because we're looking at uh, Miles Sanders, DJ Moore, but Darren Waller, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, Trevor Lawrence, Christian Watson, Alvin Kamara, Mike Williams, and then we get Kyle Pitts, J.K. Dobbins, and Dallas Goatert. Um, Kate, can I interest you in a tight end here, or would you prefer a different position in round five? I think this is actually kind of a, an interesting range for, for the tight end position for me in round five. Like I said, my, my preference is Darren Waller. If I haven't already drafted him in round four, um, another really interesting option, I think though, is Dallas Goddard who, you know, I, I think, um, most people really seem to like, uh, I also really like him, but, um, you know, I think there's some concerns despite the efficiency that we've seen from him season over season, that there might just not be, uh, enough, you know, chops to go around, uh, given the the presence of AJ Brown, given the presence of, um, you know, Devonta Smith, like what, what are we actually going to see from him? But over the, the past two seasons, it, Dallas Goddard ranks top four among tight ends in PFF receiving grade, um, has just been, I think such a key fixture in that offense, um, in terms of, of, you know, being just a, a viable target across the middle, um, over the past two seasons, it ranks fourth in receiving yards, a nice threat after the catch. Um, you know, I, I think he just offers a lot to like, uh, but you know, generally speaking, like I said, I'm probably, I'm probably going to go with Darren Waller here. You know, there's a, a lot of players similarly to round three that have me a little hesitant. Terry McLaurin with the, the turf toe injury has me a little, little shaky Alvin Kamara with the three game suspension, JK Dobbins with whatever mess is going on. Like I, I can't think of any running back where we're still investing this heavily in that has proven less to us uh, in year over year. Like we just keep going back to that efficiency and yards per carry, but show me something beyond that. Cause he's not a fixture in the receiving game. I don't think any of the receivers they've added into the mix this year help, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, not, not overly inclined to target his running backs. Like what are we doing with JK Dobbins? Um, I, I feel like I'm like the poo poo of the third and fifth rounds. Cause I'm just I, like, if this is a, a, you know, a redraft league where I can trade picks uh, and Darren Waller's off the board here, I'd probably prefer to trade back and get some of the value later on in the draft. Uh, Cause I think there's some interesting names in the next couple of rounds to come. Yeah, definitely some interesting names in, in, in these later rounds. And yeah, you're really kind of hoping, um, like you said, that maybe some value falls to you from those earlier rounds that comes into this fifth round here, Darren Waller being one of them. But th it, it's definitely not impossible because, yeah, running back in this round, I've basically been completely avoiding. But how about, how about you, Nate? It, let's assume you still need a tight end. Is round five maybe the latest you'll wait to target the position? Or are you willing to to kick the can down the road a little bit more? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely trying to do everything I can to get at least one of the top seven tight ends this season. Um, we've just consistently seen year after year, it's the same couple guys that are consistently the best in terms of fantasy points per game. We always see some players get injured and that impacts overall standings in terms of tight ends. But we've seen the same guys. Uh, Darren Waller has consistently been there when he's healthy. Dallas Goddard has consistently been there when he's healthy. Uh, with someone like Goddard, I think he's probably the safest player that you can pick in this round. Uh, he's consistently doing well in terms of receptions and receiving yards, despite even last year having all of that talent at wide receiver. My big concern for him is touchdowns. They just don't, haven't always been there. And having Jalen Hurts' ability to score when they're close to the 
goal line plus the investment they've made at running back. I don't see Goddard scoring a lot of those short touchdowns. I think he can definitely make some big plays for touchdowns. It's just harder for me to see him being a top two or three tight end this season, where I think Waller definitely has the chance to be there. Uh, We were talking at the start of the show in terms of like home leagues versus more competitive leagues. I think if you're in a very competitive league where everyone knows what they're doing, it's going to be difficult to get Waller in round five. But like the draft that I have later tonight, I can be fairly confident that Waller has a decent chance of being on my team since I don't see anyone else potentially picking him up because they probably forgot about him over these past two years when he's been out with injury. So Waller, I'm definitely happy to get. And then Kyle Pitts is just the biggest gamble you can make at tight end. Just since he has the talent to be that good, it's just if Atlanta's going to be passing the ball enough, if he's going to see enough playing time. For me, it's always worth reminding myself that he's still only 22 years old. So even though he's had the two years in the league already, he's still younger than plenty of rookie tight ends. So regardless of what we've seen these last two years, he still has plenty of time to grow and develop into an elite tight end. Whether or not that happens this year or not is yet to be seen, but I definitely would be more intrigued taking pits here than waiting a round or two and getting one of the tight ends who's more in the middle of their career. We know exactly what they can do. They're not going to be a top five tight end. We know that it's just, they'll be good enough that you can put them in your starting lineup over someone off the waiver wire, but not much else. Yeah, I think for me, the same kind of thing, right? Depending on my build, if if it's if I have like a fairly even split of running back wide receiver to this point, then this is definitely my favorite spot to target the tight end position. I'm a big Dallas Goddard fan. I, I do have Darren Waller ranked ahead of him, so I'll grab Waller first. Um, I, I know, you know, he maybe carries a bit more of that injury risk, but really, I just think this is a huge bounce back year for him in New York. You don't have, you know, any doubt that as long as, he's healthy he'll be daniel jones's favorite target uh in this offense so and basically he's kind of shown that so far at least in the preseason on small sample size so uh he's the top target for me followed by goddard and then kyle pitts in that order like you said still a believer in pitts's talent and and overall upside but more concerned with maybe what his potential role in this offense is um than i am with the other two and yeah dallas goddard the touchdown thing i i do think like to a point like he's kind of been unlucky because he's so good with the ball in his hands and he, he's he's one of the best tight ends in the league after the catch but he's ended up like within the five yard line and not in the end zone uh, so many occasions that he just hasn't been able to punch it in i feel like we're just needing him to kind of get over that um cliff a little bit and, and get you know the extra yard or two to to be able to add to the touchdown total which it could happen um but like you guys have been saying you know there's a little bit more malice to feed in that offense too right with aj brown and Devonte smith as well and then you had De- uh, deandre swift to the mix jalen hurts getting those those uh, sneak touchdowns so i'm with you guys i think waller is the top one to target here um as well i, I also love dj Moore, um christian watson mike williams in this range to an extent Terry McLaurin, I love as well, but yeah, the turf toe thing, it it is scary. I've become less excited about him now as there's kind of that uncertainty around him. So the only thing is I just can't bring myself to to draft any of these running backs, especially considering the ones that are still on the board in in round six and beyond, basically. Yeah, like I'm fine with Miles Sanders. It's a little high for me to like Miles Sanders. I think he'll do well in Carolina. I think he'll have a big role. The start of round five is probably too early for me Mm -hmm. to like him, though. And then the wide receivers, like you said, happy to get more, uh, happy to get Mike Williams. I think he should 
rebound in terms of his touchdown total and he's consistently been playing well and getting enough targets it's just the touchdowns were down last year compared to in the past and I think that all regressed I had a player profile on him well over a month ago at this point explaining why in detail I think that but not as high as Terry McLaurin I'm too high on Jahan Dotson to be high on McLaurin and then Hopkins as well it's like he's near the end of his career and he'll see some targets but I don't see him being a top 15 tight end I don't know how he's going to get there so I'd much rather get players in this range that I can see a scenario where they'd be a top 15 player at their position and I don't see it for Hopkins mm-hmm. yeah I think that's fair and and yeah I'm, I'm with you I I, just, I like Miles Sanders as well but yeah like you said it, it's more the ADP right he just he feels like he fits more in that kind of round six range with some of those other guys as opposed to the top of the fifth round there so um Quickly, let's take one last ad break before we get into the rest of this here. And this is from our friends at DraftKings. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Changes come fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PFF. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right. On to round six. I mentioned that there have typically been like a plethora of starting and startable running backs still available to target if we'd like. And we really begin to see them going here in the sixth round. So starting with uh, Cam Akers, Alexander Madison, James Conner, Rashad White, Dalvin Cook, Jerry Judy, Chris Godwin, Drake London, Tyler Lockett, Isaiah Pacheco, Javante Williams, and Brandon Ayuk. Um, Nate, we've talked about this range quite a bit in previous draft strategy episodes. So who are some of your, your favorite targets in this range? Um, The running backs at the start, especially Alexander Madison. I feel like sometimes I've seen him go even earlier, but hopefully all that hype for Ty Chandler has knocked Madison back down a little bit. But I think Madison just standing out because he has the three down role and how good the Minnesota offense is compared to some of the offenses that we're talking about here. So I think he has everything that you kind of want in a running back just not the long history of success he's only had it in a couple of games here and there but I think that's enough of a sample size for me to be comfortable uh, picking him in this range and starting him most weeks but guys like Akers and Connor and White all players that I think will have significant roles in their offenses it's just how good are those offenses going to be but I think with fantasy football you care more about volume than efficiency a lot of the time and I think they will get the volume I think it helps in all three of the cases that the quarterback situation isn't the greatest. So if it was a team with like a rookie that they were trying to get a lot of new experience or a quarterback that 
they were maybe happier with in a bad offense. I might be a little bit more concerned, but I think all three of these offenses are going to need to rely on Akers and Connor and White uh, significantly this season. So comfortable drafting players at other positions earlier, waiting to get a running back here and fairly consistently getting a running back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kate, how about how about you? I, I know for me, I want all these guys at this price, but I likely could only have one at, at best two. So so how about you? Who are your favorite targets in, in round six? Favorite targets have to agree here with Nate in terms of Alexander Madison's upside. I mean, we have a, a limited sample size of what Alexander Madison has done without Dalvin Cook. Six games, average over 20 PPR points per game. Uh, saw more than 15 touches in five of those six opportunities starting without Dalvin Cook in the lineup. Uh, the team seems to have doubled down uh, on Alexander Madison, so he's probably my first bet. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any significant competition, uh, you know, working behind him. Um, so really like the potential there. He's, he's, you know, I, I think just generally a, a solid, solid value here uh, in the sixth round, especially, um, you know, just he's going to be, uh, I think if healthy, uh, he's going to rank top 15 in the league in terms of touch volume. Um, and that not very often you get to draft that here in the sixth round. Um, additional shout out here to James Connor, who I, I think is, is a solid, solid bet. Um, you know, despite the fact that you're not going to have Kyler Murray here, at least to start the season, I can't imagine a world, um, you know, if, if this season goes off the rails early that they, they take the risk to get Kyler Murray back in the lineup. I could be wrong here, but, um, surprisingly in games without Kyler Murray last year, actually saw an uptick in production from James Connor, um, Mm -hmm. average 18.8 fantasy points per game in those games without, uh, Kyler Murray last year, uh, due to injury with the torn ACL, um, you know, saw, a somewhat of a a slight uptick in terms of receiving production, uh, 4.8 targets per game. Um, just a lot to like, I think here with James Connor, this team's gonna need to, utilize him both on the ground and as a receiver. Uh, I feel like he's kind of a, one of those locks for top 24 finish any given week, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you guys. This is, this is the running back round for me. I mean, I, I have those three top guys there, Madison acres cook all, all ranked right next to each other. So if these are the options available, I'm, I'm drafting them that way. Whoever I like the more on that day, because I've noticed these guys kind of be interchangeable for me. It just depends on the day basically, but Madison has been the top one uh, throughout just playing on the better offense as well. So he gets the slight edge there, but yeah, I also like, Rashad White, I wrote him up as a breakout candidate this year, along with Madison and Akers. So he's definitely in play. Um, but Javante Williams, too, he kind of stands out as the one who I think, if things break right for him, could be potentially the best of the bunch. Just as far as overall talent, I don't think there's much question that maybe he's the best overall running back in this range, but there's definitely question marks surrounding like his health still what the usage might be with Samaj P. Ryan in the mix and, and what this Denver offense will look like. So he needs more to kind of go his way. But if it does, I, I think he, you know, he's a potential winning lottery ticket here in the sixth round as well. So Javante Williams does become interesting to me if these guys are already off the board. I'm picking near the end of the sixth round, but also happy, you know, with some of these wide receivers too, if I'm already running back heavy, Jerry Judy, although Judy's dealing with the injury, but Chris Godwin, Brandon Ayuk are, are, are 
couple favorites of mine as well. But um, yeah, it, it's just a running back round. I, I just really like these guys. The RB dead zone, I feel like is no longer dead. Like yeah, we, it's like a sweet spot now. <laughs> this is kind of a sweet spot. I think there's so much value to be had right here. Um, forget the fifth round. I'm I'm six plus round girl now. Like I'm I'm a, a fan. I'm fangirling the sixth round, if you there will. Like this is great value. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to kind of turn it around. Right. I think that, you know, like that fourth and fifth round, maybe that could be the, the dead zone a little bit more, but once we get into this sixth round, I, I, I just love these guys. There, there's, uh, there's not a draft I'm coming out of without one of these guys on my roster, basically. Um, all right, let's go to round seven. So this is where we see our first uh, defense and special teams come off the board. So I would not recommend this, but to each their own here, I guess. Otherwise, we're looking at uh, DeAndre Swift, James Cook, Mike Evans, Christian Kirk, Deshaun Watson, Deontay Johnson, Evan Ingram, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, this is the San Francisco 49ers defense and special teams. Uh, George Pickens, David Njoku, and David Montgomery. So Kate... We're coming out of the sixth round. We'll assume we grabbed a running back. What are you looking at here uh, in round seven? Anybody pop out to you? Uh, you know, I I have to agree with you avoiding the the defense special teams here, but the the pick here for me in this round, I feel like every single time over and over and over again, going to be Deontay Johnson. Um, and not just because I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but it, there's not... Uh, I, I can't find uh, much better value than Deontay Johnson, who's had 140 plus targets in each of the last three seasons, um, finishes the wide receiver 28 last season, despite not having scored a single receiving touchdown. Like that value to me is absolutely insane that you can be, be drafting him, um, you know, on average as like wide receiver 36, when we know um, there's going to be some regression in terms of touchdown scoring, both for, I think, Johnson, but also for the Steelers offense in general. Um, you know, I, I'm trying not to be too much of a homer here, but just even based on volume, even if you're not a fan of Deontay Johnson as a route runner, which you've got to be crazy if you're not, um, you know, if you're not a believer in the time, I just think the volume is too good to pass up in terms of his value in round seven of fantasy drafts. It's insane to me. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I I mean, you look at that that offense as a whole, right? Like Kenny Pickett too. He, he's been on fire. I, I know it was the preseason or whatever. He was our highest graded quarterback, but that even continued from from last season as well. The back half of the year, he was the number one graded uh, passing quarterback. I know it didn't translate to fantasy points or, or touchdowns or anything, but it's a positive sign, at least going forward, that he's a capable NFL uh, quarterback that can get the ball to these guys. And look, Deontay Johnson, like you said, 141 targets last year. He's not going uh, 140 targets again without scoring a touchdown. It's just not happening. Um, so yeah, give me those 141 targets, which was sixth most among all wide receivers last year in the seventh round all day. That is absolutely um, a, a, a bargain there. The other guy that stands out to me is James Cook. Uh, he's actually kind of one that I'm willing to maybe include in that round six range as well with those running backs. So if I can get him here in the, in the seventh round, I'm also into to James Cook in this range. I know there's maybe a little bit more risk that that, that the Bills don't run the ball as often in that uh, for him with that offense. But I'd like the upside there if he becomes that kind of clear lead back in Buffalo, which it does seem like he will 
will be. So um, those are the two top options for me. Absolutely. It's Deontay Johnson, but I do still like James Cook a a fair bit uh, heading into this season. But how about you, Nate? What What are you looking at here in round seven? Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing with Cook of I'm probably grouping him with those guys we were talking about in round six. Like the big concern for me is his ability to score touchdowns near the goal line if they put in some of the other backs. But some of the backs we were just talking about, I'm worried about their offenses being able to get to the goal line in the first place. So I think I'm fine grouping Cook in with those players. And I think uh, generally wide receivers in this round, I feel like a lot of people like drafting those young wide receivers who have a chance to break out. And a lot of these wide receivers, we more or less know who they are and what they're capable of doing, but I'm perfectly fine having one of those players on my roster since I know I'll be drafting some of those younger wide receivers in other rounds. So I know I can put Johnson in my starting lineup. I know I can put someone like Evans or Kirk or Pittman. They're going to be pretty consistently decent enough players that you can put in your starting lineup but then you're drafting all of these wide receivers later in hopes that they're breaking out. So you're hoping that you're drafting someone that maybe replaces one of these players at one point of time. But I definitely want to have one of those players on my team so that I know each and every week I'm scoring enough fantasy points to be competitive with my opponent. Yeah, even George Pickens, right? Like I think George Pickens has a chance to to be a, a better wide receiver this year as well for fantasy. I would- I, I'm with you, Kate. Look, this, this Pittsburgh offense, I, I think absolutely the entire offense as a whole basically has a chance to bounce back this year. And I know they finished what I think dead last in touchdown rate last year, but they were also 15th in positive EPA per play rate. So there's bound to be some pro- positive regression there for this offense, specifically for guys like Deontay Johnson, uh, potentially George Pickens and Kenny Pickett as well. So um, there, there's a decent amount to like here in round seven. So uh, I do... I, I don't mind the options at all. I'm not really kind of fading anybody or hating anybody other than the uh, the defense and special teams, obviously. All right, uh, Nate and Kate, it's time for round eight. When it comes to our picks so far, we got to be feeling great, but now it's time to see who is on our ADP plate. We got <laughs> Dak Prescott, Marquise Brown, Jahan Dotson, Tua Tungavailoa, AJ Dillon, Jordan Addison, Pat Fryermouth. Prior Friar Muth, uh, Brandon Cooks, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Justin Tucker, Khalil Herbert, and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so Nate, are you taking a kicker in round eight by any chance? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to go straight to the wide receivers that we have in this round. Jahan Dotson, Jordan Addison, uh, my clear two favorites on this list. I think Jahan Dotson uh, just constantly scoring when he's on the field. And then late last season, once he was healthy again, I started seeing around 70 yards a game, which is pretty decent considering the quarterbacks that were throwing to him. I think it'll just uh, continue to grow this season. I think uh, he's already gained plenty of good chemistry with this quarterback now and Sam Howell. Um, I know uh, Terry McLaurin has his toe injury, so that could impact things at least a little bit early in the season. But I think Dotson is just a very good young player that's just in an offense that people aren't all that excited about. So I think that's probably the biggest reason why his ADP is this low. And then uh, Jordan Addison in Minnesota uh, played very well in the preseason in the one half of football that he played. Um, First round pick wide receivers have tended to do fairly well in recent seasons in terms of fantasy success. Not all of them end up hitting, but I think Addison should see the playing time immediately um, in three wide receiver sets. Um, Should be able to overtake KJ Osborne easily enough at some point of time. So I think there's enough volume in this Minnesota offense. I know there's other good players in the offense too, for sure. But 
I think Addison being able to be someone that gets the least amount of coverage from defenses will also help him. So I think those are the two that I think could have very big seasons. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Those are the guys that stand out for me as well. You know, I think they could be potentially like elite wide receiver twos on their own team. I, I like Jackson Smith and Jigba more for dynasty, less so for redraft. So I, I, I haven't been drafting him a lot here, but Dotson and um, uh, uh, Addison have been the two that I've been I've been targeting the most here. But how about you, Kate? Uh, anybody that that jumps off the the screen here for round eight for you? It's Jahan Dotson uh, to be a, a total broken record um, for <laughs> for the listeners here. I, I just think there's so much to like about his potential heading into year two. I loved what we saw from this commander's offense in general. Sam Howell looked, um, I, I think, you know, confident as a passer, very competent, um, you know, seemed very in command, haha, of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm definitely in, especially with the the hot you know, end he had to that season, but also considering that injury to Terry McLaurin, which like even, you know, that, that week one is kind of in question at this point, but, you know, given the fact that this is a toe injury, Terry McLaurin is a wide receiver. Like you, you really bank on some of that explosion, right. And, and getting off the line quickly. And, you know, a big part of that is dun to dun the toes and the foot like that, that is kind of a big part uh, of what, you know, is going to be key to a wide receiver like Terry McLaurin's game. Um, you know, I think even if he's on the field, that's going to be good for Jahan Dotson. That's going to be good for Sam Howell. But I do worry that in terms of his own fantasy production, not going to be great. So I think this could be a really hot start to the season for Jahan Dotson, especially. Yeah, I'm into it. And look, Jahan Dotson never had a bad week one in the NFL. So um, we're, we're banking on him again um, to do the same, but yeah, I think, think just to, to kind of point out maybe some of the other uh, options in, in this range here, I think Dak Prescott to a tongue of Iloa, I think there's still strong options to be, potentially be your team's QB one. If you still needed it at this point, um, even Aaron Rodgers, really, I'm okay with any of those guys. Um, because it means I've added maybe potentially more with, with earlier picks at other positions. So I think Dak and Tua should push for maybe top 10, maybe even top eight finishes this season. Rodgers, I think, will be rejuvenated in New York, kind of re-motivated to, to bring that team to a Super Bowl. So I would not be shocked to see him return to that kind of near MVP form here in 2023. But yeah, I I I, I the main targets here are always going to be Dotson and, and Addison for me. Those are the two. I think, you know, Khalil Herbert is interesting here, but if Dotson and Addison are still on the board, I'd I'd rather hope that Herbert falls to round nine. Um, and if not, I'm I'm fine with it and just grabbing Dotson or Addison. Uh, all right, so let's go to round nine. More defenses and kickers coming off the board in round nine, which just means more value for the rest of us uh, as these auto drafters are more likely drawing the short straw here. But hey, um, better them than me. So we got Jamal Williams, Cortland Sutton, the Eagles defense and special teams, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, the Bills defense and special teams, Gabe Davis, Brian Robinson Jr., Juju Smith-Schuster, Kirk Cousins, Antonio Gibson, and Daniel Carlson. Um, All right, Kate, we got round nine here, a little bit of a mix here. We're definitely going to start finding some value as teams are drafting defenses and kickers. Um, So anybody stand out to you as a, a personal favorite target in round nine 
I'm kind of feeling Antonio Gibson, not to double up on, on all of the commanders and back-to-back rounds, but I, you know, in addition to liking what we've seen from, from Jahan Dotson, I think uh, we should be pretty excited about Antonio Gibson in terms of his production as a receiver, like coming out of college, he was a converted wide receiver. And now that we're finally starting to see him utilized as a receiver, now's the time we all hop off the bandwagon. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, ranked among the top 10 running backs in PFF receiving grade last year was uh, efficient in the opportunities that he had. And I think Eric Bieniemy, you know, nothing but good things for this offense. Uh, even if he is working them a little bit too hard, that's okay. Um, my hope is that it's going to pay off for fantasy and, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, I think could be a huge value, especially in full PPR leagues, if they continue to utilize him as a receiver, um, which is what I project for them moving forward through this 2023 season. You know, Terry McLaurin, uh, if he's not at 100% or misses any time, I, I think Gibson especially could be a huge beneficiary to that in addition to Dotson. Yeah, I think I think my two favorites like in this round are Brian Robinson and, and Antonio Gibson. And, you know, we've talked about them before in other draft strategy episodes, and, and maybe I'm too high on the Washington offense as well. But I'm with you. I'm a believer in Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy to make the, you know, get this train running and, and go in full steam. So I, I want in on that when possible. Um, I have both guys like ranked right next to each other. So whichever one is available, I'm happy to take. But yeah, Gibson, I mean, he has two RB top 15 RB finishes in PPR um and and you know it didn't get there last year but it, two of the past three years at least has been a top 15 running back in ppr league so i think he can get back to that range this year um with eric Bieniemy driving the offense but um how, how about you nate anything uh over here in round nine that that you like or are you also in on the uh, the washington backfield I'm not quite as in on the Washington backfield just because I like to think of scenarios where someone could get to the top 10 and I think it would take an injury to one of the Washington backs in order for one of them to be able to play that well, just because I think we will see pretty even playing time between the two with very clear roles with them. And I don't see Gibson overtaking Robinson for early down snaps this season. I don't think Robinson will start to take any passing down snaps from Gibson. So I think it should stay pretty close to 50-50 where there are a number of other backfields where like we have Jamal Williams in this range. We know Williams will be a starter for the first three weeks. And then there's a chance that Williams could be the early down back. He has a history of catching passes back to his days in Green Bay. So he's capable of being an every down player just depending on how things are going with Kamara throughout the season or Jamal Williams might not end up doing that well, which in that case I can cut him and find a different running back. But uh, Michael Thomas is the one player in this range that intrigues me the most just because he has that history of being uh, the overall number one running back. I know things haven't gone as well for the past three years now, but he's still at an age where things can turn around. Uh, He has been playing in the preseason a hundred percent of snaps with the starters um, in normal personnel settings. So he should see the playing time and looking at what he's done well throughout his career, crossing routes, slant routes. Uh, those are things that Derek Carr has done really well throwing to crossing route and slant routes throughout his career. And then the other routes, he hasn't been quite as good, which are the routes that Chris Olave runs. So slightly concerning for Olave, but I think um, that at least intrigues me in this round. I think it's also worth mentioning this is the point of the draft where we start to see ADP split even more from one place to another, and I'm much more okay uh, focusing more on rankings over ADP, and I'm okay drafting someone even if I have them a round or two ahead of 
where they should be getting drafted. And then I think the only other note that I'll make is I don't think there were any tight ends in this round, and we haven't really talked about tight end in the last three or four rounds now. So that kind of goes back to what we were saying in round five or so that you really should be trying to target a tight end in one of those rounds, because if you don't get one, then then you're going to be waiting a long time to get one. Yeah, for sure. And, and and we've talked about this too, Kate, right? Like this is kind of the gear of like the sleeper tight end, right? Like these, there's these later round guys that we, we've like, we've liked to target. So um, there's, there's going to be a dead zone here for tight end. And then we're going to come back to it uh, with maybe a couple different options later on in drafts as well. But yeah, I'm with you. I think Michael Thomas is really interesting. He's been one of those guys too. We've kind of seen the ADP, like just small like small little increments kind of creep up a little bit as the offseason's gone on just as he's gotten closer to week one and and hasn't suffered any kind of injuries or anything like that so that's been nice to see and hopefully he does stay healthy because i'm with you i think he could be a very nice value this year and 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 potentially um give you some wide receiver two production at worst as long as he's in the in the lineup every week All right, let's do one more formal round here, and that is round 10, where we're looking at Traylon Burks, Zay Flowers, Zach Charbonnet, the Dallas Cowboys defense and special teams, Samaje Pirine, Kadarius Toney, Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jones, Dalton Schultz, uh, the New York Jets defense and special teams, Geno Smith, and Quinton Johnston. Um, Nate, when you're getting to round 10 here, you mentioned uh, potentially moving away from, you know, trusting the ADP and trusting your rankings more than anything. So anybody here that stands out to you that you have ranked significantly higher than the rest? I think Anthony Richardson and Daniel Jones are the two here that stand out to me. Um, Just in terms of quarterbacks, I think there's a pretty clear top eight players. And then from nine to about 16 or so, you can rank them in any order and you could probably be okay with it. I think I have Richardson and Jones near the top of that list. I think I might have them ninth and 10th at quarterback at this point. So if I didn't end up getting one of those top eight quarterbacks, then I'm probably waiting all the way until this point. Um, even avoiding guys like Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins who are going a little bit earlier. Typically, I'd rather wait to get uh, Jones or Richardson, even Geno Smith in this range as well, someone who played very well. Last year, in terms of fantasy production, I know it was more early in the year and he didn't do quite as well later in the year, but then they spent the first two rounds adding more skill players for him. Plus, he has basically everyone else in the offense back as well. So all three of those quarterbacks are people that I'd be comfortable either drafting to be a starter if I ended up not getting anyone in those first couple rounds. Or if I'm looking for a backup quarterback, I'm probably jumping on a court backup quarterback here rather than waiting for one of the other quarterbacks. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, Kate, how about you? There's a few quarterbacks in this range. Do you like any of these guys or or is there somewhere else that you'd rather go in this 10th round? You know, I actually, I really like uh, Daniel Jones in particular here. Of course, Anthony Richardson, a lot of upside there, but um, you know, I, I think, if we see, uh, you know, the, the projected jump in terms of Daniel Jones's value, like he legitimately has like top six QB upside. I think this season, um, you know, the, the run game, you know, obviously is, is much stronger with Anthony Richardson, but I do think that, that Daniel Jones projects as the much safer passer, um, you know, and, and that could be sort of a, a differentiating factor with him, especially to, to stack with my Darren Waller shares, 
Um, you know, I, I think in general, the other guy that I'm kind of eyeing is Zach Charbonnet, who, um, you know, right now got to play uh, behind Kenneth Walker, but you know, that second round draft capital Walker missed a lot of time in training camp with that groin issue missed, uh, you know, the, the bulk of team practices. Like I, I think Kenneth Walker, um, you know, for as much home, home run, home run hitting ability as he has, I think, you know, Zach Charbonnet has a very like tough, tough skill set That's going to be, um, I, I think conducive to some work inside the five as a goal line back. I think the scoring potential for this offense is, is off the chains. Um, and like, let's say this, this groin issue lingers a little bit with, with Kenneth Walker, if he's not necessarily a hundred percent, um, you know, I think these reps that, that Charbonnet got to see in his absence are, are pretty key. Um, and I think he could be a, a nice late round value. It's, it's kind of hard in this range to find running backs with, you know, potential to, to get in the mix. I think, you know, it, without an injury to the starter, but I do think Charbonnet kind of projects as, as one of those guys that can see work, even if, you know, let's say Kenneth Walker's healthy. I, I think he could still be in that conversation for the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like Charbonnet. Um, I think I think you're right. I think there's potential there for his role to kind of even grow as the season goes on, even if they're both healthy, right? And we know, you know um, Kenneth Walker doesn't project really as, as like a receiving back in any kind of way. Charbonnet does have a little bit more of that to his game um, than Walker. So there's potential there for him to kind of earn that, that late down or passing down role as well in the offense, which should lead to more fantasy points as well. So I like taking the shot on, on Charbonnet here. Um, Anthony Richardson, he's the other one. Daniel Jones as well. Look, Daniel Jones ran for over 700 rushing yards last year, um, which, which is super impressive. And, and he's right there beside Anthony Richardson in, in rankings for me as well. Um, I like to pair either one of these guys with like a safer bet at QB1 a lot of the times um, because there can be considered bigger swings. Richardson especially, I think the upside is just massive for Richardson. So I, I absolutely want, in on him, even if I don't start him for the first few weeks of the year to kind of see um, what he is first. And, and if he reaches that potential, like we think he, he could, then that's another one of those potentially winning lottery tickets that we got super cheap here in round 10. So uh, other than, you know, defense special teams, the, the only other like avoid for me is probably Dalton Schultz. We talked about him earlier this week and I've moved him way down my ranks. Cause I think there's a good chance he isn't getting like relevant usage. Um, there in what could be a struggling offense with like sneakily better wide receiver options as well, who should take targets away from him as well. I just want no part of Dalton Schultz in 2023. So uh, he's, he's been a big avoid in, in that round for me, for sure. All right. So that we'll, we'll call that the end of like the round by round part. So basically now it's kind of like a fee, a free for all um, we're getting into the double digit rounds here. So we'll kind of go through like our favorite sleepers um, two, three, even just one, somebody that you want to talk about here in the final rounds of drafts that you absolutely will target um, regardless of ADP. Kate, I'll start with you first. Who is uh, like one of your favorite sleepers or, or multiple sleepers here in the, in the later rounds? I'm literally about to mute myself here because I can't stop talking about this guy. It's Jake Ferguson, tight head for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, very willing to involve the tight end, obviously, in the passing game. 
um, great things, I, I think, coming out of, of Cowboys camp. Uh, love to see his usage had three targets, uh, you know, in, in the starting drive with the the starting offense under Dak Prescott here in the preseason being drafted right now is the tight end 26. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, of upside based on the scoring potential of this offense. Uh, as long as Dak Prescott is healthy, I, I love that, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity here, obviously with the departure of Dalton Schultz. Um, and one other guy I'm going to mention who, again, not a sexy pick whatsoever, but I find myself continuing to draft him like later on in, in fantasy drafts is Adam Thielen, who has by all accounts projected as a much heavily, more heavily involved receiver, I think, than, than I had slated, um, you know, DJ Tark dealing with a hamstring injury. Thielen's been drafted on average as wide receiver 53. Um, I think like. I, I would, you know, bet a, I don't know what I'm going to bet on, but like, I'm, I'm going to bet very heavily that Adam Thielen smashes that over, especially in full PPR formats, just based on, uh, you know, the, the potential for a, a significant target volume, um, you know, Bryce young went to him pretty early and often throughout that preseason. And that alone has had me, um, bumping him up the ranks, even if he is an old guy. I think he could have some value here in fantasy leagues, especially like in the later round drafts, uh, in the later rounds of your drafts where everybody's a dart throw, at least, you know, Adam Thielen, I think projects as the team's wide receiver one right now. Nice. I love it. Um, Nate, how about you? Favorite sleepers in uh, in these double digit rounds? Yeah, so it might be because I just rewrote my wide receiver sleeper article right before we started this, but I will go with Jaden Reed of the Packers. Uh, he's consistently been their slot receiver throughout uh, the preseason. Green Bay has traditionally had a number of players kind of rotate in and out in the slot. They've moved wide receivers around a bit. I know Randall Cobb traditionally had been a slot receiver, but that didn't always mean that he was on the field. Um, Devontae Adams had been excellent in the slot when he was there. Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, all guys who performed better in the slot than out wide at times. But Reed has consistently been that slot player. Um, and Green Bay has just given so much production to wide receivers in the slot there in the top couple of teams uh, since they changed coaches to Matt LaFleur among production for slot receivers and among the bottom half of the teams in the league in terms of outside receivers, which is pretty notable considering how much the Packers were throwing the ball. So I think since they've been comfortable leaving Reed there and not moving him around or not moving other wide receivers into the slot, that could mean a lot of production for him this year. Uh, they spent a second round pick on him, which is just as much or more than any of the other receivers they have in Green Bay right now. And with the new quarterback and it being a lot of players that have either only been on the team for one year or it's their rookie year, um, we could really see a lot of changes in terms of who's getting the targets, who's not getting the targets. So I think Reed's in a good position to um, be a focal point of the offense based on how the offense has run in the past and where he's lining up. I like it. I like it. I also have a Green Bay Packer um, on my uh, sleeper list. So I like Jaden Reed, but I like this guy a little bit more. Um, Kate, I can't remember what was the t-shirt again. It was uh, big, big hands, big frame, big plays, something like that. Um, yeah. For 
Yeah, we got to get that uh, the T-shirt made. But Luke Musgrave, the tight end there in Green Bay, he's the other guy. Uh, I I just love the talent here. I think the receiving upside for a Luke Musgrave, like if you're looking for kind of a late round tight end, somebody that has that top 10 potential um, that, you know, if you've punted the position and you end up with maybe like a David Njoku or Evan Ingram or Pat Fryermuth, um, getting somebody that with a little bit more upside, like a Luke Musgrave, I think is one of my favorite um, targets in the later rounds here. Uh, just projects to potentially be um, an every down player here in Green Bay. And I think he has the receiving profile to, to do some damage here as a rookie. So I know it's, it's a lot to bet on a rookie tight end. Um, but you know, again, we're taking shots here in the later rounds. So that's the one that, that kind of stands out to me other than that. Yeah. We, we touched on him a little bit, but Sam Howell is the other one. Like if I want a QB two, um, and, and don't want to spend a pick in the earlier rounds on a quarterback, I'm just going to keep waiting until I feel like the time is right to grab Sam Howell. I end up with him a lot in super flex leagues as well. Cause I'm able to get him as like my QB three. I think he has the potential with this offense, with all the receiving weapons there with Eric B running the team as well. Um, and, and with the rushing upside, right. He, we've seen him utilize his scrambling ability. We've seen him be a, a design runner as well. Um, I think it's all there for Sam Howell to potentially be that, that true late round quarterback this year um, and, and win some fantasy leagues as, as a deep option. So Lots of guys I, I like. I mean, even like Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Tank Bigsby, a couple tanks. Um, it's just a cool name, but uh, I, <laughs> um, but yeah, how anybody else for you guys or, or do you want to move on? Uh, the one guy that I'll mention that's not so much a sleeper, but someone I think is good to pair with the tight ends that you were talking about. I think Tyler Higby, if you're just punting mm -hmm. on tight end altogether and are trying to get one of these high upside players, I think Higby is a great player to pair with one of them just because. Higby is going to be the second best option in Los Angeles. At the very start of this, we were talking about how Matthew Stafford doesn't trust anyone outside of Cooper Cup. Higby is the second guy that he trusts, and we know exactly what he can be and what he's not going to be. He's probably not going to be a top five tight end, but he's probably going to be among the top 10 in fantasy points, even though he's not the most fun player to pick just because he's just been decently good year after year after year but he should continue to be decently good so you can pair him with one of these rookie tight ends or young tight ends who you might not you're not sure if they're going to work out at the beginning of the year so you can start Higby and then once the tight end finally does break out then you can start starting the other tight end and put Higby to your bench or on the waiver wire if the tight ends breaking out in a big way yeah, I like it. Higby's a great call. Even like Sam Laporta, just to come back to the rookie tight ends as well. Another guy, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, we talked about him. Okay, we got lots of sleepers. I think we've all <laughs> written them up. Like, <laughs> I just, they're all like coming to my head now as we talk about sleepers, but we've There's all written up sleepers. There's a lot to like in terms of value yeah. this year. I'm just saying. Yeah, there there definitely is. There's there's plenty of guys. I mean, even look, you're looking at the Tyler Algiers, Elijah Moore, Jalen Warrens of the world. There's a lot of those guys that could potentially emerge this year. Um, So definitely check out the sleeper art articles on pff.com for more of those but that's going to do it for our 2023 season preview guys this was uh, a lot of fun hopefully we got people ready for uh their their fantasy drafts um and for the ready for the 2023 season because we're going to keep going into week one and into the regular season as well continuing to help out as much as we can 
Speaking of drafts, um, this is going to be a fun one because uh, Nate and I have been doing like our little five round random battle drafts at the end of each episode. Um, and now for the first time, we get to make this a triple threat match as Kate joins the fold. Um, we are going to be drafting the best TV comedy series of all time. Uh, Kate, you're going to get the first overall pick. I'll be picking second since Nate won the last one. Uh, and Nate gets the third pick uh, after beating me in that MCU movie draft. So Kate, you're on the clock. What is your 101 TV comedy series? It's too easy, you guys. It's The Office, is it not? <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know what everybody's taste, and that was something we mentioned before the show, uh, before we we hit record here, was that uh, this could be a very volatile like draft because you never know what somebody's style of comedy is. But um, for me, it's dry, it's sharp, and there's no show in the world that I think does a better job of the shy or the, 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 uh, dry, like sheer uncomfortableness, uh, that the office does. And I, I think they, they do such a good job with cringeworthy moments. Like I am in my element when I'm watching the office and it's the clear one one. Yeah, that, that, I had a feeling you were going to take the office. I didn't think I'd be <laughs> able to get get the office at 102. I think that's, I mean, pretty solid pick there, obviously, to start the draft. And yeah, I'm with you. It is it is an amazing show. Very, very funny. Um, Let's just pack it up now because I... I won. All right. I know you're going to get, you're going to get a ton of votes for that, but that's yeah. why we go five rounds um, because hopefully you'll, you'll misstep along the way and, and maybe we could recoup some value here. But um, I went with, for my first pick, I'm going with Seinfeld. Um, it's a tried and true classic to me. It just, it stands the test of time that it is still one of the funniest shows, most rewatchable series um, in my opinion of all time. So Seinfeld continues to be like, Anytime it's on and I'm flipping through channels or whatever, I will put on Seinfeld and still laugh at things that I've seen uh, over a hundred times by now. Um, so Seinfeld comes in as my 101. Nate, who you got? Um, so I get to pick two people here since we're doing yeah. this a little different than how we typically do. So I think I'm just going to go with both of them together since they kind of contrast each other a little bit. I'll go with Arrested Development and Parks and Recreation. I think both of them stand the test of time in terms of their humor so far and just so many enjoyable characters in both of those shows that, and I think the humor is a little bit different in both of them. So I think having a little bit of variety also helps there, but they will be my first and second pick. Yeah, that, that is, uh, that is the, the downside of you picking back to back because I had Arrested Development and Parks and Rec on my list here. <laughs> um, so that is a major bummer for me, but Okay, so this is, I, I already know, I'm going to start losing people um, because my taste in comedy is probably a little different, but Always Sunny in Philadelphia to me deserves to be among the best uh, comedy series of all time. I would be lying if I said it's not one, it's not maybe my favorite uh, of all time, even though I didn't pick it 101. I just consistently put that series on when I'm working in the background and it just runs over and over again. So Always Sunny. Um, is going to come in at number two for me. Uh, Kate, you get back to back pick now. Yes, I do. And I'm, I'm glad that you guys left some, some goodies on the board for me. Um, here with my first pick, I've got to go with modern family who like this show just, I think offers a little bit of something for everybody. It's, uh, family friendly enough, but like, you know, just wholesome vibes and, and like, so funny makes me smile every single time makes me laugh out loud which is is hard to do when i'm sitting in a, ro a room by myself watching tv 
love, love, love Modern Family. Um, another show that like just like warms my heart so much. And I don't think this is going to be a very popular pick necessarily, but Big Bang Theory, which is like full of cheese, full of, you know, like full of whatever, but like you, you learn a little bit, some, uh, something, you know, like you, you get to nerd out a little bit, enjoy um, some of the, the more nerdy references. Like it, I just, I love Sheldon Cooper so much as a human being, like top 10 annoying, but fantastic television character in my mind. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to pass up big bang theory at this point in the draft. Nice. Yeah. You got some heavy hitters now at this point. So this is, <laughs> this is going to be tough. Um, I, I I'm going maybe off the beaten path again. I curb your enthusiasm. I have Seinfeld. Um, I got to add curb your enthusiasm to the list because to me, it's just as good as Seinfeld, if not better, because I mean, Larry David to me is one of the funniest people on the planet. So, um, the fact that he can still make me laugh with, Again, rewatchability over and over and over again. Um, he has to make the list for me. So Curb Your Enthusiasm will be my third pick. I think next I'm going to go with South Park for my next one, since we haven't wow. had an animated series yet. And I think just its place in history and how they were so completely different than everything else at its time, and it's still going on now. But um, just their ability to make new shows, um, that they were doing it the week before the lead up of this show. So being able to stay topical for those reasons. And yeah, it's a lot of potty humor at times, but they're also pretty smart about how they do some of their characters and episodes a lot of the time as well. So I think they definitely stand out compared to a bunch of other comedies. And then I think I'm going to have to go with community for the next one. I feel like there's a lot of shows that I'm going to be sad that I don't get to pick, but I feel like that's probably the one that I would have been saddest had I not, have that not slid into the end so i'm gonna stick with community and looking forward to them finally finishing their six seasons in a movie <laughs> yeah that's right they're working on the movie ah god you literally took another two off my list here um that's my entire strategy for the past two years yeah. now i know it's really frustrating um all right <laughs> So I don't have that much left. So I've got three picks I made. Uh, I you know what? I'll stick. I'm gonna stick with the animated comedy, and I'm going no. with Rick and Morty. Okay. Um, I was gonna I was gonna go with another one that's probably bigger, but I think that one has kind of lost uh, as much of its quality in the, in the later seasons. But I'm st I'm going with Rick and Morty. To me, not just a great comedy, but a legitimately great like sci-fi show that with the concepts that they come up with in that show. So Rick and Morty is another one um, that I could just watch over and over and over again. My backup with back-to-back -back picks. You got back-to-back -back close up. These are so, my last picks, uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go with, we're going, uh, what is this, three animated in a row? I'm going to go with Family Guy, which I think is like oh, wow. the, the my favorite animated comedy show. Like you said, like I, all of these animated comedies, irreverent, um, et cetera. But I, I just, I have this fondness for, family guy it's quotability it's it's uh inappropriateness it's lack of emmys for how long like i i just i got a root for the underdog here and then of course i'm going to circle back around with my final pick being one of my favorite shows of all time which i know is not 
uh, hasn't aged as well as some others, but friends, you gotta, you, you've always got to include it in the conversation for best comedy shows, even if it is sitcom-y, cringy, like it, it's, it's a classic. It's so funny. Like, particularly in the early seasons, I, you know, it, not as, as big a fan of the later seasons. I've seen all of them 18 million times. I have a friend's tattoo for crying out loud. Got uh-huh. that when I was 16. <laughs> like I've just, I've always loved the show. It always makes me laugh, but Phoebe Buffay is like a top 10 stupid character of all time, but it just makes me laugh every single time I watch the show. Nice. Yeah. I, I was worried we, we were going to leave friends off the list here. I, no, I, you I wasn't can't leave friends it. off yeah. the list. It was, it was looking, it was looking risky there for friends. So <laughs> yeah, I thought for sure we were going to get yelled at from all the friends fans, but uh, nice pick there to get friends in the loop. Um, so you know what, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a more popular one just to try to even out my, <laughs> my picks a little bit. Cause I know I've gone off the path a bit. Um, You're and I'm going to go, I know I got to pander it just like slightly, um, <laughs> because it does help me get some votes at least. Uh, but I'm going to put the Simpsons on here. Um, because just as a classic, the, at least the first 10 seasons, I wish I could like specify in the, in our, in our poll seasons one to 10 of the Simpsons, but um, I know Nate won't allow it. So I, I'm going to put, <laughs> I'm going to put the Simpsons on my list because I do think just for everything that they've accomplished as a comedy series and continue to go today, um, I, it, we'd be crazy to leave them off the list, I think. There. If we were able to leave like the last season or two off the list, I might be going Scrubs here. I might be going How I Met Your Mother here. Mm. I think I'm going to go with The Good Place for my last pick. <gasps> I think in Love terms that. of how it Great ended sleeper. the first season and then just how it ended the entire series. Just like trying to think of how there's a number of ones still on my list and thinking, okay, how did they start? How did they finish? And I think The Good Place stands out both of those ways and just... I know it wasn't as popular as some of the others on this list, but I think The Good Place is definitely one that people should watch if they haven't watched it yet. Yeah, good good call. And yeah, Good Place was good. I mean, it was only a few seasons, right? It was like three or four seasons or something like yep. that. So it was like a short one. But yeah, it was it was it was funny all the way through. So nice pick. Yeah, we left a few off. I I, I had like Brooklyn Nine-Nine on here. Yeah. Um I had Veep, uh, Julia Lee Dreyfus Veep, because um, I think that's amazing. Yeah, there, there's. I'm sure there's other ones that people will yell at us for, but uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that was good. So, Kate, you have The Office, Modern Family, Big Bang Theory, Family Guy, and Friends. I have Seinfeld, Always Sunny, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Rick and Morty, and The Simpsons. Nate, you got Arrested Development, Parks and Rec, South Park, Community, and The Good Place. So. We'll put the poll together. We'll put it on Twitter. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'll leave it up for a few days. Give uh, people a good long time to think about why Seinfeld is the greatest comedy of all time. And then they can vote for me, hopefully. All right. That is going to do it for another episode of the PFF Fantasy Podcast. Um, Our biggest episode yet. So we hope that helps you get ready again for the 2023 season and for this final draft weekend of the year. If If you want more, We also have a ton of content, articles, rankings, you name it, up on pff.com right now. So be sure to check out all that good stuff. Um, Kate, what can the uh, good people expect to find from you on pff.com this week? Uh, I've been going totally cuckoo crazy here. Uh, 
been putting out an article every day here, uh, which, which usually I, I'm, I just pop in once a week. So excited to be in the mix, uh, right ahead of fantasy drafts, but, um, one player to avoid in each round, I updated, uh, my dynasty draft rankings, um, you know, ADP risers, fallers, like you name it. Um, it's, it's coming at you, including a special mailbag episode, which you all may have submitted your questions for on, on Twitter or our various social media channels. So be sure to tune into that. See if your question was answered. We got a few goodies that I think are going to be um, really insightful ahead of fantasy drafts. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check out all of that as well. Um, Nate, I can't remember. Did you post any articles this week? Just just a few, I'm sure. What, what do you have up on PFF? Uh, yeah, uh, basically, I've gone through all of my content from the past two months and make sure it's all up to date. So it's ready for your fantasy drafts this weekend. So uh, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. I have updated ranking strategies, sleepers, breakouts on league winners, updated uh, PPR rankings, half PPR standard, Superflex will be going up tomorrow, um, draft strategy articles, uh, 12 team, 10 team went up today, 14 team will be going up tomorrow. Uh, Saturday, we'll have 12 team by pick numbers at so one through three, four through six, seven through nine, 10 through 12. Um, article for if you only have 10 minutes until your draft is about to start, which if you just sat through this hour and 40 minutes with us, I'm guessing you're going to be more prepared than someone who has 10 minutes before their draft. So hopefully you don't need that article. Um, on Monday, also compiled 500 stats to know before the season, compiling a bunch of stats from all of these articles. And then uh, early next week, bold predictions. Uh, my guys, so my favorite guys that I haven't had enough time to talk about so far this year, and then just more updates to draft strategy and rankings, making sure all of this news around all the players who have been cut and added and all the injury information that we'll get now that we're closer to week one are all applied for the rankings. So you are ready to draft. Beautiful. Love it. All right. Um, as for me, uh, I've updated all my rankings and tiers articles as well. Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, linebackers, defensive linemen, defensive backs for those people that uh, play in IDP leagues as well. Um, I wrote up some new super flex draft strategy articles for this week as well that go kind of round by round, like Nate was mentioning, based on which draft range you're picking from. So one to three, four to six, seven to nine are all up uh, through Thursday. And then 10 to 12 will be up on Friday morning, um, as well as an updated version of my offense and IDP draft strategy article, um, which includes all the rankings and, and strategy and, and, and everything through there as well. So be sure to check out that. Um, for anyone that hasn't already, uh, we'd greatly appreciate anyone who's able to subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel and the PFF Fantasy Discord. For those of you that do have drafts coming up, don't forget we do have the Fantasy Mock Draft Simulator on pff.com, as well as the live draft assistance um, to help you through ESPN, uh, Sleeper, and Yahoo leagues. You can sync those up to your leagues and we you'll get um, pick by pick uh, help and strategy along the way. So definitely check that out too. Uh, Nate, Kate, thank you both so much for doing this. This was a really fun ex episode. I I'm excited for, for people to check it out. Uh, and mostly thank you all for listening. We appreciate you all. We will be back on Monday talking what else more fantasy football. So until then, peace out.